Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. It's expressed in the following program do not necessarily reflect those of WWDB, its staff, or management. Inspirational women are increasingly popular in the news and media, but many go unheard and their stories are never told. Women to Watch with Susan Rocco captures the stories of many women who truly make a difference. Women to Watch is the vehicle for developing new leaders, encouraging younger generations, and in building self-esteem for future entrepreneurs. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860 and womentowatch.net. My name is Sue Rocco, and I have a wonderful guest uh, with me in the studio this afternoon. I'm thrilled to have her uh, beautiful face across the table from me. As you all know, I much prefer an in-person interview, and uh, she drove from Virginia, and we're going to be talking all about uh, Angela's organization, Envision, Lead, Grow, and the company that she founded, Ardix. Uh, before we get started, I want to just give out our uh, website address so that you can stay in touch with all of the things that are going on around Women to Watch. You can uh, read all about our upcoming guests and uh, read some of the wonderful inspirational stories that we're sharing by going to womentowatch.net. That's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. And be sure to follow our social media pages as well uh, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you're listening to the show this afternoon and you want to join in the conversation, we'd love to hear from you. You can do so by dialing 888-329-3306. That's 888-329-3306. So I'm very excited today to welcome Angela Reddix. Uh, again, she's the founder, president, and CEO of Artix and founder of Envision Lead Grow, which is an organization whose work aims to break the cycle of poverty for a thousand middle school girls in undeserved communities in the U.S. every year. Angela, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Susan. It's very nice for you to be here today, and we'll say thank you to Lori for making sure you got here safe and sound this afternoon, <laughs> since you pulled her from the office. Thank you, Lori. <laughs> um, so listen, I, I've done my research and my homework on you, and I'm, I'm so impressed with not only um, where you've come from and what you've managed mm-hmm. to, um, to do with your career, but this organization that you founded I think is so incredibly needed and wonderful. And uh, I'd love for you to just talk to the listeners for a few minutes about why you decided to start it and, and really what the mission is. 
Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me, Susan. And I, I would love to talk about Envision League Grow. It is absolutely the joy of my life. This summer, I had the opportunity to spend um, seven weeks with over 500 girls uh, through seven cities that we toured um, this summer, introducing them to the power of entrepreneurship and just tapping into their passions and their gifts and building the confidence that they can succeed regardless of what their circumstances um, may be. And so this summer we started um, in Memphis, Tennessee, and we had a bus that was wrapped with the Envision League Grow logo, and we had six interns from various universities across the United States, including California. And we toured from Memphis, Tennessee to Greensboro, North Carolina. Then we went to Atlanta, Georgia, Baltimore, Maryland, Philadelphia, uh, Pennsylvania, uh, Richmond, and then Norfolk, Virginia. And so it was fascinating to see these young girls come into the room, and you could see in their eyes that um, they felt as if hope had arrived. Mm. And um, just to see the evolution of these young ladies from day one to day five, and this was a five-day program, uh, and each day they learned about the eight seeds of success, which is really what I've journaled throughout my 11 years in having Artix. Um, as an entrepreneur, as a female entrepreneur, we face different challenges, and one of the methods that I use to just make sure that I stay focused is I journal at the end of each day. And so I created the eight seeds of the success, and that became the curriculum that we use for the program. So at the end of the week, the girls uh, pitched their business idea to entrepreneurs, local entrepreneurs, and one of the girls won $500 in each city. And there were mm, several cities awesome. where we were able to give more than $500 to multiple um, winners. But that was phase one of the program. We are now in phase two. Um, after that week, we didn't just want to leave the girls there and just say, you know, we'll see you next year maybe. Um, they were um, placed in groups of five. And each team of five, we call them peer groups, they were assigned a mentor. These are local women uh, in their area who are continuing the conversations with them. Uh, and so we have, we launched the mentoring program in September, uh, doing very well. We have over 95 women who committed once a mm. week to work with these girls. Just Fantastic. phenomenal, the energy. Uh, that comes from working with other women who are focused on similar missions, and mm -hmm. that is to build the community of entrepreneurs and young girls because they are our future. Uh, the third part of the program is we connect the girls uh, through the seven cities so their communities become larger than their local area. Mm -hmm. And so once a month we have an all-girls, all-city webinar, and we talk about roses and thorns is what we call them, the things that are working well based on their goals that they set this summer and the challenges that they're facing. And so the girls learn critical thinking skills and they learn to problem solve for each other. Uh, and the fourth uh, part of the program will happen this May. Those girls who participated this summer and they're continuing to participate with their mentors and they continue to participate with the webinars, they earn points. And as they earn those points, they're able to enter into um, 
the program for the Entrepreneurship Academy or Institute, which will be in Washington, D.C. in May. And so the top girls who earned 500 points, they're eligible to attend, and this is at no charge to the parents. Mm. So a phenomenal program. I'm very proud of just the difference that I'm seeing in these uh, young ladies. And I meet with them once a month on these webinars and to see their faces on the screen and them just, you know, they're at their desk and they're conducting business and I'm very serious about making their dreams come true. Yeah. Let's talk about why entrepreneurship, why that was important to you as opposed Mm. to, um, you know, bringing these girls into programs around different careers why, I mean, what is it about entrepreneurship that you think um, lifts their spirits? Mm-hmm. Well, many things, but I will say very personally, it is truly my story. It's a story of entrepreneurship, I believe, gave me power. It gave me the power to be able to tap into um, excellence within and determine how I could create a pathway for myself, for myself, my family, and my community. Um, and so I, I didn't start as an entrepreneur, although I have to tell you, I have been planning businesses, I think, as long as I can remember. Uh, I, uh, my grandma would always joke that my hobby is planning. I love planning and I love business. My undergraduate was, uh, degree was in business at James Madison University. Mm-hmm. Um, I went into um, the marketing field, tele- in telecommunications field. Um, I landed uh, a job in the healthcare field um, and then began to um, do business development and uh, contract management and project management, all the things that are important to run a business. Uh, Due to some personal circumstances, my mother um, was ill and I relocated back to the Norfolk area, um, which is home from the Washington, D.C. area, and I began consulting. Um, I continued to consult until that grew into a business. Now, 11 years in, Artix, uh, we have over 100 uh, associates that work for the company in Washington, D.C., as well as in the uh, Norfolk, Virginia area or Baltimore area also. Of Maryland. And so um, entrepreneurship allowed me the opportunity to demonstrate excellence, contribute to society, and um, create a path that would allow me to leave legacy for my children and their children and so on. Um, So I know the power that um, if you are able to um, identify your passion, if you're able to put that pen to paper and that thought Um, be able to document the thought and then tell your story and plan and plan again and then change your plan Um, but always having that focus then you can be successful as an entrepreneur and so I wanted to just share my story basically with the girls and to become that shiny new object for these young ladies because oftentimes uh, we're in a society where whatever's shiny and sparkling that's what they're going to focus on so I wanted them to see that this is success, this is what success looks like. We all have different definitions for that, but um, I certainly came from humble beginnings, and um, I believe I've reached a level of success that that is the purpose of it, is to go out and show other young girls that you too can be successful. Um, I'd love to go back for a minute and, and have you talk about the young Angela. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, you, you 
mentioned humble beginnings, mm-hmm. and um, I wonder where you described yourself mm-hmm. as a planner. Why, why the planning? Do you think that that was something that you did as a young girl as a way to kind of have control of, of your situation, or where did that come from? Absolutely. Um, I, I believe that's probably where it came from. Let me start from the very beginning. Um, and I came into this world uh, as a um, product of a teenage mother. Uh, my mother was a hometown hero, I would say. She came from public housing in the Norfolk, Virginia area. Uh, she was one of 10 children. Mm. And she was on scholarship here in Pennsylvania at the University of Pennsylvania, uh, Ivy League. Uh, very much not the norm for um, that time. And uh, she became pregnant. And so she came home. She couldn't miss any classes. She had to come home. She delivered me in May. And just trying to think about what was going on in her mind at the time. You know, as an adult, I'm a mother of three now. Uh, Just to that experience, um, I was raised by my grandmother while my mother made the choice to continue her education. Continuing her education allowed me to be able to have the life that I have today. Mm -hmm. However, there was a sacrifice. So I was raised um, my early years with my grandmother, and all I knew was love. So I didn't know anything different. Um, I have a large extended family. I was the first grandchild, and I was spoiled. Uh, Again, it was public housing at the time, but to me, we were rich. We were rich with love. Um, We um, continued. I remember the community just wrapping themselves around me, and um, my mother came home. She, after graduation, uh, and she was successful in telecommunications. Uh, She relocated us to the Virginia Beach area, and so I was raised as an only child, Uh, pretty far away from my home base, which was my grandmother's house. And it taught me to be independent. Uh, I watched my mother be a mother and a father. So it taught me, uh, through her conversations, the value of understanding where you're trying to go. Susan, we, we joke about it that by the time I was like 11 years old, I have this document that I have to this day, and it was a timeline. And by this age, I had to have completed my degree. Wow. And by this you age, I had to have a master's. And by this age, at a, as a young girl, I knew that I wanted to get a doctorate. Mm-hmm. I can't for the life of me figure out where I even knew about a doctorate, but I remember that that was um, on my timeline. When I was going to get married, how many children I was going to have. And I had this rule of thumb about I had to always make an income that was my age plus five. Don't know where it came from, but that was my formula. The <laughs> bottom line is that, that is what I did for my, my pastime was uh, creating this life plan. Uh, and so I, I would say that it was uh, an opportunity at a very young age to try to paint the picture of what I'd like my life to be. Um, I saw my mother being a single mother, and I knew that that wasn't the path that I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, but life does happen, and, you know, um, because of the direction and guidance that I had, um, my story is very different, but I appreciate all that everyone went through so that I could have the life that I have, and that is why I am so committed to ensuring that I give back. 
Here's a question for mm-hmm. you. We often have well-laid plans <laughs> in life. Absolutely. And quite frequently they go awry, right. right? So that's a very um, thoughtful life mm-hmm. plan. I'm assuming some there's been bumps in the road. How do you, as someone who's very committed and very driven that way, how do you deal with those moments when what you're expecting to happen doesn't happen? That's inevitable. You know, 11-year-old writing your life plan. Life isn't going to happen, like the 11-year-old says. And that's why one of the eight C's of success is reevaluate your plan because life does happen. You learn more. You grow. You understand more about yourself. I, I, you know, I met this gentleman the first day of college, uh, Carl Reddix. And um, he was not at all exactly like that picture that I had painted on paper, but he was exactly right for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I showed him very early into our relationship my life plan. Talk about scaring someone. But I showed him (laughs) my life plan. uh (laughs) And I have to tell you, that was the first bump in the road. It didn't happen exactly according to my timeline. And Susan is so funny because my mother was such a businesswoman that I remember signing contracts throughout my life that if I borrowed, I had to sign a contract that I was returning. So, yes, I had a contract if you wanted to be in a relationship with me. And he actually signed it, so we joke about it all the time. But anyways, the contract contract was that he had to, we had to uh, seal the deal by a certain date. Well, we ended up uh, having, uh, getting married two years off of that life plan. So that's, you know, that's, one example of life happens. Mm. Um, I am so glad I didn't throw the baby out with the bathwater just because we didn't get married on that date. Mm-hmm. Um, we got married at the right time, and we're now 24 years in. Um, and so, again, it's reevaluating the plan based on new data. What's your decision going to be today? Yeah, I, I think that's such an important lesson for young women mm-hmm. and young men, mm-hmm. right? For young people in general, um, because having plans is is important and it it helps to motivate mm-hmm. you but um resilience for when things don't Absolutely. go right is just as important but you know I, I think when you don't have a plan you almost fall for anything mm-hmm. so it's better to have a plan and your plan is your guideline it is not the rule and so but not having something to focus on you don't know why you've made certain decisions unless you have something that you're actually targeting. And so it's, it's important to know life, life does happen. You have to be able to bounce back mm-hmm. and make the best decisions based on the new available information. Yeah. Tell me about your personal, I'll say SWOT, S-W-O-T, mm-hmm. um, as you describe it, strength, weakness, opportunities, and threats. And describe what that is and how you use that for your day-to-day. In business school, you learn about SWOT analysis when you're making business um, decisions. I believe that the the most important job that I will ever have before I can be a phenomenal mother, before I can be a phenomenal wife and a phenomenal leader, I have to be the executive of Angela. I have to know what my value proposition is. And so I um, use that same Uh, methodology that you use from business school, which is identifying the strengths. These are internal things that um, you, your characteristic that's strong. Uh, I am a natural planner, for example, so that would be a strength. A weakness is something that I need to work on. And it's important for me to know my weakness, especially in running a a business. 
Um, but as an individual, it's important for me to know my weaknesses because I want to surround myself with people who make me strong where I am weak. So I, I try to always surround myself with people who are stronger and smarter in areas that I'm weak. Mm. Um, opportunities. Where are there opportunities because of external forces that could help build where I'm trying to go? And then what are the threats that I'm facing? And so I evaluate that on a monthly and then quarterly basis. And even within our organization, um, Artix, that's part of what managers um, do with their staff is to identify what are some of the circumstances that may be a barrier to your success by going through the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Um, I'd love to know how you not decide, but um, managing your time between Artix, which is a... Mm -hmm. um, I'll describe it as a healthcare advisory consultant mm -hmm. firm, um, and your foundation. Um, are you are you juggling, or do you feel that you? I'm, I, here's what you probably did as a planner: you uh -huh. said, "I'm going to give this much time to Artix and this much time to Envision Lead Grow." But tell me how you decide where to put your energy for those two very large organizations. It's about prioritization, um, and I will say as a project manager, and we run, Artix is a project-based organization, so we follow PMBOK, Project Management, Book of Knowledge, uh, Knowledge Principles. And so with that, it means resource allocation. You can't do everything at one time, so you have to figure out what resources are you going to use, what resources do you have available to you in order to reach the ultimate project goal. Um, so... There is no way in year one through nine that I could have done anything other than run Artix. We have matured to a place where we have valuable and trusted advisors who are staff members. Um, I've built an executive team that's phenomenal, um, and that took some time. That took some trial and error. Um, but I didn't give up because my ultimate goal, as I mentioned, I had the Ph.D. on my plan way back when I was 11. Three years ago, I started my Ph.D., um, working on my Ph.D., and uh, fingers crossed, uh, in December I will be completing um, mm. my Ph.D. Congratulations. And That's so thank huge. you. Yeah. I, I, there are many things I'm proud of, but I have to tell you I'm so proud to have um, stuck in there and uh, finished um, this degree. It is from that degree that I actually determined Envision League Grow would be my next chapter. Mm -hmm. So um, I am at the, studying at Oklahoma State University, mm -hmm. and I actually started the Ph.D. program thinking, I, I really want to understand more about the dynamics of um, organizations and, and how individuals behave within the organization. And so I was going to focus on culture mm -hmm. and focus on organizational behavior. But as I began to read the literature, I was drawn to the literature around entrepreneurship. I'm thinking I'm living entrepreneurship every day. Why am I so drawn to this? But I found myself in that in the uh, literature. I also stumbled across um, these theories related to expert performance. What makes an individual Excellent. And so Erickson has done a lot of work in that area. And Barron and Henry in 2010 published a model which was deliberate practice in entrepreneurship. Deliberate practice. If an individual focuses on becoming an expert in a particular area, is that does that make the difference when you're looking at expertise in entrepreneurship? 
in the outlier, Gladwell um, wrote about 10,000 hours to become um, an expert. And my thought is, in my life, I didn't have the luxury of the 10,000 hours. And I know many people who are living in urban communities or um, are, are being raised in situations that are less than optimal, they don't have the luxury of practicing piano for 10,000 hours mm. to become an expert. So this is, you know, I became very interested in that and applying that to girls um, specifically. So as I continued to read and read, it's like this onion, and I'm uh, peeling back the layers. And that's really where I came to want to study uh, the girls in these communities that had high levels of poverty and to test uh, the deliberate practice model to see if, in fact, if deliberate practice can be empirically proven in this community. So that is actually the topic of my dissertation. It's so interesting. We could probably do a whole show just on that. Yes. Yeah. Let me ask you, you know, when you were building Ardix, did you ever face um, barriers because you were a woman um, that you can recall? And, And if so, how did you deal with that? I will say that, um, Susan, I have to be honest, I have not personally experienced it. And and I have to say most of this has been because my head's been down and I've been focused Mm -hmm. on just doing the best I could do. Mm -hmm. So I I never really compared myself to whoever else was at the table. Um, We have grown exponentially. I mean, during the recession, when many of my peer organizations were going out of business, we were tripling in size year over year. Um, And so I I focused on being an expert in what I was doing. I I focused on bending over backwards for my customer. Um, There was not a time, day or night, that they couldn't call me um, because I knew that we were working on pretty important um, missions um, for the uh, CMS, uh, Health and Human Services, and Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. We work directly with those who pass the legislation, and we take that legislation and we make uh, sub-regulatory guidance and operational business practices and interface with all of the health plans nationwide. So, you know, whether it's Medicare Part C, Part D, or the Affordable Care Act, these things are pressing issues. Um, and so I just focused on doing the best that I could do and being the best I could be. So I did not face it. We are an 8A organization. Um, and so we just actually graduated from that program. And what that does is allow you, through the Small Business Administration, the opportunity to get sole source contracts um, because you are minority women, et cetera. So for me, I've leveraged it to the best of my ability. Um, but I can't say that I've personally faced that now. I will tell you that as a woman, um, and again, a mother, mother of three, there are sacrifices that I believe I've had to make that perhaps the male counterparts did not have to make. Um, I believe that I want to be everywhere with all three of my children, but I can't do that and also be in Washington, D.C. I can't do that and also work on implement major implementations at all times of the night. So I had to make the determination um, that my husband and I would have a, let's say, non-traditional role um, in the household, and sometimes um, that isn't, you know, I, I'm trying to be proud of what I'm doing at the time, but sometimes I have some regrets about that, and that's really more of the sacrifice I've had to make as a woman. 
Um, but as far as business growing, we've been very fortunate in that we just um, do what we have to do and then some in order to be successful. Did you find it difficult to find employees, team members who have your same shared values, you know, that will work as you do? Absolutely. I think that is, that's, if there's been, it hasn't been building the business, that hasn't been a challenge. Um, it hasn't been delivering to customers, that hasn't been a challenge. We have exceptional customer ratings in the government rating system. Our major challenge has been finding like-minded individuals to join the organization. You mentioned the challenges male versus female. I do think as a female uh, founder and CEO, there is an expectation that you are going to take care of everyone in a different way than what the expectation is for a male. Um, And so that's been a challenge, more internal than external. When you say expectation, Tell me what you mean by that, from I the people think, that work for you, oh, that yes. you should be more? Um, that you should uh, forgive more, that uh, you should allow uh, some of the circumstances that um, prevent us from being focused on our overall mission. I think it becomes um, an expectation that you're running the organization in a certain way. Now, naturally, I, I do nurture. I am a nurturer, um, but I will tell you that there is a there is a um, there is a requirement by those who join the organization that um, you are going to be open and transparent, even about your life, your personal life. Mm. Um, so it's it's that's been more of the challenge, I would say. Mm-hmm. Now, year one is a shocker. Year five is a shocker. By the time you've been doing this thing for 11 years, you know, you, I have um, had to get thick skin and really focus on knowing that I'm delivering the best for the greater good mm-hmm. and not necessarily every individual. Mm. And that's had to be enough for me. Yeah. I, you know, it's interesting. That's it. It reminds me of a topic, um, a guest that I'm going to have on the show that is writing a book, uh, The Myth of the Nice girl. Mm. Um, And basically the premise is, do you sacrifice who you are if you're nice and giving and open and nurturing um, to be a leader, you know, a boss, an executive, and and we shouldn't have to. So it's kind of a fine line that that you walk. And how do you deal with the people that come to you expecting Mm -hmm. a certain um, type of, of behavior from you that really isn't appropriate in the workplace? For me, Susan, it's been, again, it's you grow through time. You know, running an organization, uh, I always say an organization, organization is a living organism, and it changes through time. When you are brand new and we grew so quickly, you're trying to figure out who you are and your DNA so that you'll know the right people to attract to be a part of your organization. You don't know that year one. Mm. You can have the best business plan that's out there. Mm. But until you are living in it and you become comfortable with what your service offering is, because when you're starting the company, you're offering whatever the customer needs, quite honestly, in your you know overall lane. Mm. But as you learn, and I'm so thankful for all the individuals who've been a part of the organization because that's how you learn. Mm. Whether it was a fantastic experience or not, it's all your uh, perspective. And for me, the perspective is 
as long as I can learn from the individual, then it was a great opportunity, a great connection. And so whether the person is with you for a year or 10 years, the reality is every person who walks through that door who is a part of your organization, they help to build the organization that you are today, that we are today. So I learn through each of those, you know, examples, and I learn about myself. But I also think year eight was about the year that we really figured out who we were and therefore could do a better job of attracting the right individuals who can contribute to what we were creating. Yeah. Another great lesson for for young women mm-hmm. because I think when we when we make mistakes with people, we kind of get down on ourselves mm-hmm. for that. But you're so right; it every single time that's a lesson moving it forward. Is. It's a great outlook. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, I'd love to talk about your. I believe you have another foundation, the Artix Foundation, that focuses on mental wellness. I'd love to talk to you about that. We'll be right back. This is Kristen Hillsley, financial advisor of the Foley Hillsley Group, with a big announcement. Last fall, I hosted a women's lifestyle conference to help the women who do it all take control of their finances. Now I'm excited to an- announce a new partnership with Women to Watch Media to help show women how to own their financial future. We'll have newsletter articles, blog posts, announcements of live events, and a lot more, all available at womentowatch.net and our own website. FoleyHillsleyGroup.com. I'm thrilled about this new partnership, and I look forward to being your resource for all things financial. Stay tuned to learn more or visit our website at FoleyHillsleyGroup.com. The Foley Hillsley Group is affiliated with Robert W. Baird and Company, member SIPC. Log on to FoleyHillsleyGroup.com to learn more. That's F O L E Y. H-I-L-L-S-L-E-Y group.com or call 610-238-6636. Since 1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215-233-3177. That's msjacad.org or 215-233-3177. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for joining us for another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860 and womentowatch.net. My name is Sue Rocco, and I'm joined this afternoon uh, by Angela Reddix. Angela is the founder, president, and CEO of Artix, and she's also the founder of Envision Lead Grow, uh, a wonderful organization that's helping young girls in underserved communities learn about entrepreneurship. Um, something else that I found out about you, just one more thing on your plate while you're getting your PhD and running two organizations. Um, you launched the Artix Foundation to focus light on the importance of mental wellness. Tell me about that and, and why you decided to add one more thing to your plate. Oh, these are things that um, 
let's just say having the organizations allows you to have a more formal approach to um, really living out the things that are really your passion. And, and I um, have believed in giving back into the community. Year one of Artix, um, our focus as an organization is really working with healthcare payments. And so um, in working with the healthcare payments, I recognized very early on that um, there are chronic health conditions that drive up the cost of healthcare. And so one of the things that we did as a small organization, and back then there were probably three or four of us, and we said, what can we do to impact the future of healthcare? And so we started working with youth in the community around the um, epidemic with obesity. And we created um, these fun uh, modules where we would go into um, the community centers, the schools, and we would talk to them about healthy eating, uh, healthy uh, exercise, how that increases self-esteem and decreases bullying. Um, and so from year one, we started doing that, and we really started to see a change in how the young uh, boys and girls were responding to us. And we said, you know what, this is not the total answer because the people who are making the decisions about what they eat and what they do, well, they're the adults in the household. And so we started focusing on women. And uh, so we just celebrated our 10th annual Women's Wellness Celebration. And this was a day back then in March during uh, Women's History Month that we would bring women in the community together to focus on themselves. So two years ago, we moved from just focusing on the physical health and to focusing on mental health because uh, the mental health, if you're not well mentally, then you're not going to, and emotionally, you're not going to be well in anything that you're, you're doing. And so we started focusing on mental health, and we uh, shine the light on mental wellness. And mental wellness for us means that there is promise of hope if we can break the stigma and just talk about it. Mm-hmm. Talk about the stressors in life that create the, create the emotional imbalance that then impacts our households. Uh, So we've been having a wonderful time as of January. We formed, so all of that was being done as part of our corporate social responsibility within Artix. In January, we uh, formalized this and made it Artix Foundation. And so we have an executive director, Penny Sanchez, who runs our uh, Artix Foundation. And now we do all of those things that we did in the community under the arm of Artix Foundation. And and how, how are you funding this work? We have sponsors, we uh, apply for grants, we have individual donors, and then Artix also provides uh, funding to the Artix Foundation. And is this geared towards girls and boys? It's geared towards, women women um, it is for women and girls. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know what I think is one of the greatest things that has occurred over the years around mental wellness Mm -hmm. is just the awareness and the stigma and the shame that is been slowly lifted about yes, talking about yes. it that was needed for so long yes we had about 400 participants in our women's wellness celebration which we in the past had it in march um, this year we actually had it a couple of weeks ago it was in october 
in Chesapeake, Virginia, had about 400 um, individuals out. It was phenomenal, but it was telling the story. Mm. And so each person was given a charge to meet five other people and talk to them about their stories. And so during the uh, the lunch uh, breakout or the lunch uh, plenary session, we just had people stand up and introduce some of the people that they met and just how much we have in common around even just that conversation. So our goal is just to normalize the discussion that, you know, you can have coffee with your girlfriends and you can say, you know, I'm really, I'm struggling. Right. Yeah. And, but we don't want to just open the door and have the conversation. We want to go a step further um, to have an infrastructure in place where it's easy for the lay person to get to resources. Mental health is somewhat a broken system. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is so challenging to get the information. And there's so many pockets of people who are doing little things. But if we can have one resource Mm -hmm. that if I'm at coffee with my girlfriend and she's telling me something, I know how to get to the information to be able to help her, to walk with her and walk through it with her. Um, So that's our ultimate goal as an organization. I think that's fantastic. I I think... um, there seems to be an abundance of um, people, n- not just young people, but people in general, struggling. Why do you think that is? Why is it so prevalent in today's world? I'm going to share something with you that I think is very interesting. My husband said to me this week, three different um, people came to his office from um, schools. They're in the school district. And each one of them shared that the school counselors in these schools are having nervous breakdowns because they're dealing with so much uh, mental trauma from the kids. And that really struck me. I thought, wow, there's something is going on if that is the case, if, you know, our our experts, the ones who were supposed to be helping these young people are feeling that overwhelmed. Absolutely. Yeah, why do you, what's happening, do you think? Well, uh, I'm going to, again, I, this is not my area of expertise, but mm-hmm. I will tell you as an individual um, and as a mother that um, there is such a need to be a high achiever. Mm-hmm. And I believe that with social media, you can compare yourself to the next person in just a split second. That's right. And so you're constantly reaching for that next that next target you're constantly comparing yourself to someone who by the way the picture they posted is only talking about the good news it's not talking about the true news Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's something that I have to talk to my girls about all the time Mm -hmm. is you know social media used correctly is a great thing right social media used incorrectly it it can be evil yeah um there's there's so much going on in in this world and we just really have to make sure that we are um, the noise that we're hearing is just so much information at your fingertips every moment that people struggle and and the kids struggle Mm -hmm. their mind isn't ready to process as quickly as things are being thrown at them yeah and so i believe that has a lot to do with why our youth are suffering Um, and to be honest with you, even as adults, you know, we suffer for those same reasons. The the stressors, um, are great. Um, and so that's what we're hearing a lot about during our uh, board meetings. We have a mission moment. And so we do have clinicians on the, on the, uh, on the board. 
and just to hear the stories that they go through on a daily basis. Mm. Um, the amount of caretakers that are out there now, because you know there's an aging population, and so you have more individuals who are taking care of not only their children, but their parents, et cetera. And so there's stressors that go along with um, being a caretaker. So just the dynamics that we live in today, that has a lot to do with the increase in mental health. Yeah. You know, I, I tell my kids all the time, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors in that social yeah. media. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Believe about yeah. 1% of it, you know. But I think you're so right about the... Um, the comparing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, really teaching young people to understand that they're original. There's no need yes. for them to compare to, to someone else. You mentioned your children. You have two yes. daughters and a son. Yes. Tell me how you speak to them. Um, you know, Envision Lead Grow is about mm-hmm. confidence and empowerment and, and self-esteem. So tell me about your conversations with them, what you say. Is there a family mantra that you use that kind of keeps them going? Well, I would tell you one thing is if you start it, we're going to finish it. And so I I have them really go through an exercise to make choices up front. Um, Everything sounds great at first, but we all can't run in 25,000 different directions. Um, I believe no matter, I just remember my my baby girl uh, is now 11, but she was five. And I remember us having to have a conversation about um, we are a team, you know, and I believe that I expose the kids. They know the good and they know the bad. I'm okay with them hearing their father and I having um, a passionate conversation, let's just say, because they need to see that we do work through conflict. We are a team. Um, and so we they make choices, and we're going to support their choices. But once they make a choice, we need to see that through to the end. Um, and then we make a determination if we're going to go a different course. Um, I will give you a case in point. Um, our oldest is Anissa. She's now a senior at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Mm, nice. And we made a pretty large um, shift uh, when she was eight. We moved from the Maryland area to Virginia. Uh, and so she started in a school system that, you know, the girls were already Um, They already knew each other. They already had the friend group. She was feeling pretty alienated at that time. Uh, She went through a really tough time, but she loved writing. So I encouraged her, you know, to to write it. Write write your thoughts on paper. Just continue to write. And so she did, and she came in, and she said, you know, Mommy, I'd love to write a book about what I'm going through. And I said, well, um, just continue to write. If you finish the book, I will help you publish it. And so she was She was focused. I just remember her saying, I'm going to make the commitment. And so she stayed on it. She stayed on it. Um, and she published that book, The Magic of Friendship. And it was, you know, she was selling it through Amazon. Down. And yes, yes go online, everyone, awesome. and go to Amazon.com, et cetera, <laughs> The Magic of Friendship. But it's over 300, I think 332 pages or so. Uh, and so by the time she was 10 years old, she was out promoting her book. Um, And I just think that's a testament of you said you were going to start it. Your reward is I am going to believe in your vision and I'm going to support you with your vision. Mm. Um, And that's with all of the kids that I I really believe in pouring into their hearts, pouring into what they're passionate about. She did um, leadership conferences for youth. So from that Mm. book, she was invited to do graduation ceremonies and uh, workshops for young girls. 
Um, so I, I'm very proud that she loves writing to this day. She is an entrepreneur uh, at heart, and she is the co-founder for Envision Lee Grow. She was the one on the road this summer leading all of the interns, um, and it really came from her seeing that if she puts her heart into it, puts the time into it, if she can speak the words to be able to articulate what her goals are, she can get the support of others, and she can see that her dreams can come true. So self-actualization is a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. And so she saw that at a very young age, and I believe that that has done wonders for her in reaching her goals that she, she has today. I think that's so wonderful that as a mother, you guided her to pay attention to what she loves, what brings her joy, Absolutely. and put her energy there yes. rather than just, you know, kind of, you know, when you're having that tough time and you just want to lock yourself in the room and do nothing, yeah, um, that's really the answer. Yeah, you have to take control of things. And I will tell you, each of them have different passions. They, they definitely, all, they each have my initials, ADR, and, uh, but they are all very different children. Is one a planner like their mom? Oh, <laughs> absolutely. Anissa is a planner. She's the planner. plus. Yeah. Uh, they all have elements of, of planning, um, you know, but I will tell you, my, my middle son, you know, he, my middle child, who is a son, uh, my son, uh, he, you know, he loved gaming. You know, I didn't get it. I'm just thinking, stay off all of that, you know, right. electronics, no do something else. Yeah. Um, but I will tell you the things that he has taught me about some of the technology is yeah. phenomenal. And so, There's you know. very good careers yeah. in, in gaming. <laughs> yeah, so he opened yeah. my mind to the fact, to the point where we, in the summer, we send him to the camps that are all about programming for gaming. So that yeah. really is where he wants to focus, yeah. and we're supporting him. Yeah. Um, good with at that. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, let's talk. We have a few minutes left, and I, I want to talk about leadership and, mm. and, and diversity and inclusion and why it's important and why it's such a hot topic today. I, I think we all have um, a belief in why the world will be a better place when women are mm -hmm. out there leading the charge across all industries. Tell me what your personal view is on that. Why, why do we need women? What is it about them that well, makes things happen. Well, let me not make this uh, personally about women or some of the <laughs> some of the experiences that you know, even in my household. Um, but just a broader statement, and that is, uh, we represent a large uh, part of the population, and um, it, it is a diversity of thought that allows us to have innovation. And so, I think women have to be at the table. Um, there are many, um, the, the compassion, how we're wired, um, is an important part to consider as we're thinking about the workforce of tomorrow. I think it's also important that women um, see themselves as leaders and certainly entrepreneurs because we are, we are creating the framework that the young girls to follow will see as the options for tomorrow. So um, I believe that we're innovative. I believe that we are, we are multitaskers, just that just is a part of who we are. Um, and uh, it is important that we represent the family values that um, are important by having women's voices heard at the table also. So 
um, for a variety of reasons. I believe that women absolutely um, have to have a place at the table. Do you, do you believe that there's barriers still today? Um, and I'll say in the U.S. because I think, you know, wherever you go, it's different. Um, or would you say the barriers are more kind of, you know, self-inflicted personal um, development issues that, that hold us back? I would say barriers certainly um, still exist. Uh, and I don't think they're self-inflicted. Uh, I do believe that uh, there are challenges in life, period. I don't think it's just around the gender divide. There, there, there are challenges, period. And we, as individuals, it's our responsibility to figure out a way around the barriers. I mean, my life, as I talked about my, my earlier years, there were barriers there. Um, but we have to figure out through faith, um, through creating a support system, to going the extra mile to get um, the additional resource resources, um, I believe there is a way. And we have to focus on the one reason that we can break through the barriers as opposed to the 10 reasons why not. You just need one reason why. And so uh, clearly the barriers exist. Um, but again, I, I don't believe that they're insurmountable. I believe that um, again, with faith and the right support system that we can rise to the occasion. Can you tell me um, one of your proudest moments personally, Ooh. as opposed to professionally? I know you've had a lot of um, recognition for the work that you do, but I'm wondering if there's a, a personal moment that you feel most proud of. I don't think that there is a moment that will ever top and there are three moments, the three days uh, or evenings that I brought three individuals into this world. I, I don't care how many employees I have. I don't care how much revenue. Uh, nothing will ever um, top the feeling of nurturing and delivering three human beings into this world. Mm. And... Um, each time that they meet a goal, each time that they see that they, um, that they matter and that I have poured into them enough that they are confident about who they are and what they have to offer this world, um, those are the many proud, many, many, so M-A-N-Y, M-I-N-I <laughs> moments <laughs> that I just love um, and it all started because I was given the gift to deliver those three children into this world. Mm. And they were all born in the evening. <laughs> evening three. or late, uh, yeah, evening or early, early morning. Yep. Yeah. When, if you think about one thing that you could change in the world for them, um, you know, we talked about a lot of things during this interview, and, and the world has, gosh, it's mm -hmm. changed quickly mm -hmm. and greatly since we grew up. Um, and I think it can sometimes be a scary place for young people because of the Internet and technology. Mm. What's at the top of your list for something where you would like to not only have an impact but see change for them to make their lives easier? Kindness. I, I think um, it is, is so uh, such a concern for me, the lack of kindness from one person to another. Um, and I'd like to see us 
for them. I'd like to see a place where it is the first instinct is for us to help each other. Uh, the competition, I just wish that we could minimize some of that on a personal level, um, but that we could operate in a place that the elimination of hate and the uh, openness to understanding the beauty that exists because we are diverse. Mm. Yeah, that's so beautiful. You know, I um, are you familiar with uh, Lady Gaga's Born This Way yes, Foundation? Yes. So I interviewed her mother. Oh. It was such a great conversation. And, you know, she said she battles people talking about their mission as somehow being naive. You know, how, how can when there's grave problems in the world and how can you change people's character and, and uh, encourage them to be kind when in reality it's really all that matters, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. those encounters, if you're that person, mm-hmm. lead to opportunities That's and growth. Right. And yeah. Absolutely. So tell me, uh, we just have a moment left. If there's anything happening with the um, foundation and Vision Lead Grow, some events coming up that our listeners should be aware of and where they can go to get information and and contribute. Well, we are gearing up for our uh, Entrepreneurship Institute, which will be our first. It is in May um, in Chevy Chase, Maryland, so the Washington, D.C. area. And we are going to have all the girls from those seven cities, the top performers. So we're estimating about 100 girls. So we are looking for women who are interested in facilitating some of the sessions. Um, this will be the last Friday in May. I believe it's May 31st through June 2nd. Um, and um, so we're looking for individuals who would like to be involved. Then you can go to envisionleadgrow.org uh, and just say you'd like to get involved with us in that way. Um, we're looking for sponsors. We're also um, starting to recruit for our board of directors for Envision Lead mm-hmm. Grow. So if there are any listeners out there who uh, would be interested, there's information about the board and the requirements on our website. Okay. How do you select um, the cities? that you go into? We're looking at the statistics for that year. Um, we're looking at the level of poverty as far as well as the uh, relationships that we've established with the different business owners in that area. Mm-hmm. This year, instead of seven cities, we are going to only focus on four cities and we're planning to have, instead of a day program, there will be an overnight camp program okay so um we are that allows for more bonding with the girls i think that's a great idea and you know unfortunately from day to day we we lost a few girls as they returned home and Mm -hmm. so this will allow us to have um higher retention numbers from beginning to end as well as more time to really um it's it's a a lot of information we're giving them in an eight-hour day Mm. Um, and so we'll be able to break that up some and have some um, additional exercises that will include. So we will be announcing um, the next locations in January. Okay. Uh, you can register if you know any girls who would be interested. Um, you can certainly register online. Join our community. We have a newsletter that we send out. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can register online and just become part of the community. Okay. I wish you continued success. It's oh, great work you. that you're doing. And Thank you for making the trip in here from Virginia today to share your story. My pleasure. Thank you, Susan. And thank you so much for participating this summer. Oh, you're welcome. It was my pleasure. That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch. Have a great week.
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.